Officially. Um, what's up, girl? Yeah, this is going to be our shortest intro ever because we just had a, we just talked. We just like, recorded. Yeah. So before we do, um, just to throw it out there, we are having, uh, we have two workshops uh, left for sale. We've sold out Austin and San Francisco. Um, we are going to have a Never Not Broken workshop in Chicago um, and that there are about 10 spots left as of right now, probably less than 10 um, by the time that this airs. And then we also- May 28th. May 28th, right, in Chicago. And then, are you sure it's not May 28th? 29th? Yeah, 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 because Austin's my 29th. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then July 29th, um, we just added one final one and probably our final, well, definitely our final one for 2017 and possibly our final Never Not Broken Ever. I don't know. Who knows? Um, but we're doing one uh, July 29th at Wonderlust in Hollywood. Um, and so that we've rented a huge room for. Um, and so we were really hoping to have a good turnout for that. So, um, it's Wonderlust Hollywood on July 29th at 1230. We have not, we have not, uh, most likely, uh, got it set up to start taking tickets yet. Cause they have to do a little bit of promotion for it, but possibly, but just keep checking back to our websites and our social media for us to, mm-hmm. uh, post about, so excited that. about that. Really excited about that. Um, mm-hmm. cool. So Rob Bell, Again, yes, part oh, two. God, I love this man. I really love him like so much. Um, and you know why I love him the most? I love him because I can feel like I can ask him anything, and like he just he'll catch it. You know, like you, mm-hmm. like he is he's pretty unflappable, and um, and uh, and he's kind of a he's a major badass. Um, but I really like it because he's. He writes some things that really um, stoke my fire, you know, and like um, I want to like sometimes I want to argue with him, you know, and not just be, and like not really uh, <laughs> shut up. Um, but I but he's such a but he but I like that because I feel like he invites good debate. You know, he really yeah, does. Totally. And he really invites like the, the poking and the prodding. And he's you know, he's just such a genuine person, not genuine, generous. But he's genuine. I mean, for sure. But he is a generous, generous, generous person. person. I mean, yeah. he puts out one or two podcasts a week. Yeah. And every one of them, every single one of them blows my mind in some way. I mean, he's <laughs> to me, it's I he's one of the voices that I have consistently in my ears. Yeah. One of the very few that I have consistently yeah. in my ears and find, I mean, he's really changed, um, changed my life in a, in a really profound way in terms of the way I think in in terms of exposing me to new ideas and people. Um, I just truly, truly like a teacher of, of our time. Yeah, he's definitely, so this was, I would count him among one of my teachers. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote a new book and it's called, what is the Bible? And, um, I really just was attracted to it because of the cover design. It's fantastic. <laughs> um, it's a beautiful. Anytime book. you can have neon colors with the Bible, like it's it, just it very feels cool. Great. It was Helvetica. I mean, it was like it was a good design. It was a very well designed jacket. Um, yeah, well done, whoever did that. 
But I, yeah, it was, so he wrote a book called What is the Bible? And um, I, usually like anything Bible makes me throw up in my mouth a little bit, right? Like it's one of those really like, I don't want to know anymore. I mean, I, I had Bibles with my name, you know, emblazoned in gold on them. And I carried Bibles when I was little and I, I'm kind of been over the Bible for a while. So I was, um, I loved this book. I really totally changed my perspective on, on what the Bible is and how to read it, which is what he was Mm -hmm. doing. He was aiming to do. Well done. Well done, Rob. Well done. So, um, so yes, you can find Rob, uh, you can find this book. It is released. We're releasing this on Tuesday, May 16th, because this is the day that the book is released. Please buy it. Please buy it today. Um, you can buy it on Amazon. Um, and, um, yeah. And I will say, if you can hear him speak, do that. That's what, that is his, I think where he is at his finest and um, you can find all of that at robbelt.com. He has different workshops and events and, and stuff like that. So yeah. And he also has a podcast. A so if you can't well, see right. him, then you can listen to him right. on this podcast, the Robcast. Um, Robcast. Yeah. So all right. Enjoy guys. Thanks, Rob Bell. Here we go. So, okay, so hello, Rob, welcome back. Yes, I am to be talking with you all. So excited to have you. Lot, lots of questions. Lots of questions today. <laughs> I remember last time you all came armed with questions and I thoroughly enjoyed it. We've got good ones this time. Um, again, <laughs> I, actually, I have another memory. Laura, you came to a Largo show, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I, did. I have this enduring memory of you in the front row looking at me like, what in the world <laughs> are you doing right now? <laughs> that, that's like, that image is like seared on my brain. Oh, that's really funny. No, that was my, well, I wrote you right after that and I was yeah. like, Rob, you just did stand-up comedy. Do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> and when I realized that, that was your look, I was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. She just looks confused. <laughs> she was like, no, I wasn't, I wasn't confused. I was more like, holy shit. Mm-hmm. You like, were. You this- were. You were staying with me when you came home from that show, and that is what you said. You said, holy shit. He did stand-up comedy. That, that is not – I'm gonna, that's like the highest compliment you can pay me. I know. <laughs> it's true. I mean, I don't know that that's your highest compliment, but I, I imagine it is because um, you know, you're good friends with Pete Holmes. And so you must appreciate it to some degree. And also, it's just, I think it's like, it must be the hardest thing to do out there. I Whenever I watch, I just saw Louis C.K. at his last show in Boston. And I just watched the whole time in, with the same look, probably like, how? How are you doing how? that? Oh, that's funny. Oh, that's funny you remember that. Yeah, I took one of my friends, and she she didn't know who you were. She lives in L.A. She's a yoga teacher, and she was like, she halfway, halfway through, she leans over. She's like, who is this guy? <laughs> <laughs> He's amazing. <laughs> like, yeah, well, you're welcome. <laughs> that's if I, were to write, if I were to write a memoir, that's the title. Who is this who, guy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is this guy talking about? What in the world? <laughs> You are a mixed bag. You are a mixed bag. It's true. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> All so, right. So we're talking, though, today, um, 
we're specifically talking about your book that is coming out next month called What is the Bible? And it'll be coming out today, by the way. Just when this airs, this airs the date on the release date of May May 16th. Right. Right. So yeah, people, it's out today. Um, I have to say carrying this book around has been really funny because people um, like my family who I'm traveling with and um, places that I've just been sitting, you know, reading as you do, people are like, are you reading about about the Bible? The Bible? Like, what is that? What is that book? <laughs> right. It's getting right. a lot of questions, which is which is yeah. cool. You know, I I want to comment on that too, real quick before you say anything, Rob. I didn't think about that till right now, but I really felt like it was a very subversive thing to be carrying around. It felt it felt like it was a shocking thing to pull out. Like I I was reading it on lunch break in a Kundalini training and like a yoga training. Um, but I do I think it is. It's because you don't realize it because you don't really. I don't know. I don't talk about the Bible. Right, right, right. Because if you want to stop a conversation. Bring up the Bible. <laughs> People are like, what have you been doing recently? You know what? Just reading through the Bible. Oh, oh, well, uh, anyway. Yeah. We're skip that. Right. Yeah, it, it has become, um, it has, it, it has become like it's got like a stigma attached to it. Yeah. So much violence and oppression of women and racism and, and economic injustice and environmental degradation actually come from people, I would argue, misreading this mm-hmm. ancient and library. Misusing. So, misusing. And misusing. My, my, yeah, and I, so I literally was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put out a book about the Bible in 2017. What am I, what am I thinking? <laughs> but it does have this weird, when you begin to read it, how I obviously think you should read it, you start to realize, wait, this is like awesome. And lots of really brilliant, progressive, enlightened things that we all take for granted started with these writers. Um, yeah. And that's unexpected thing that most people just don't know about the Bible. Right. I mean, that's kind of what, what my, my first sort of lead in was, was, so I have the book in front of me and I have it all dog aired and like <clears throat> my comments in it are really funny. They're like, LOL and WTF <laughs> and and what? Like W-H-A-T-T-T-T-T-T. Um, they're all comments like that. But they, but like in, <laughs> that was how I read it. I'm, and I was sitting there laughing on the plane here. My daughter's like, what are you laughing at? I'm like, a book about the Bible, I guess. I don't know. She, she's eight. So she's like, oh, whatever. Um, anyway, so. But the my point is, like, a lot of the things that I was underlining and stuff were, I've read a lot of, um, you know, I guess you could call sacred texts. Like, I've read, I've you know, I'm a yoga teacher. I've done a lot of, like, yoga studies. I've read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read the sutras. I've read a lot of those types of books. I've studied yeah. a lot of Buddhism things. And I have had no resistance to the lessons that, you know, are taught in that in those books. And as I'm reading through these, I'm like, oh, my God, these are the same things. These are the same things. <laughs> They're just told in a really, like, you, the way you unpack them is told in an, a different way. And they're, it's way more racy and interesting, I would say, <laughs> and exciting in some, in some parts. Um, so it's just funny. Like, I, okay, so I've read the Bible, I, or I've never read the Bible. I have never thought of reading the Bible. I have turned away from it more than any of these sacred texts. And so I just want to comment on that. Like that to me, did you know, 
I guess, did you know that you were going to be doing that? Like when you're putting out a thing called what is the Bible? <laughs> like, are you like, do you know what you're doing or did have, what was your intention for it? Are you, are you hope did that? Is that what, it was what happened to me? What you hope would happen? <laughs> well, actually, well, what happened to you is what happened to me is early on, you know, I went to seminary and I studied to be a pastor and then I became a pastor and as a pastor, you give sermons and all I cared about was giving sermons. But then when I actually started reading this book and actually studying it, I was like, wait, this book is so much more dangerous and um, blue and like we, like the actual Hebrew words are much more racy and graphic and wait, this book is, we've been given like, there's one translation of the Bible called the NIV, the new international version. And I've always referred to it as the neutered international version because it's like anywhere that's interesting, it gives it the most bland English word. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. what happened to you is what happened to me. And I, when, I re- when I began to realize, oh, every sentiment in a Rage Against the Machine song is here in the Minor Prophets. <laughs> and when Bernie Sanders, you know what I mean? And when Bernie yeah. Sanders speaks about a growing gap between the rich and everybody else, oh yeah, Jewish prophets were doing that 2,500 years ago. And, and also, I think it's interesting um, what you said about other traditions, because so many sacred texts are so moving and helpful and beautiful and poetic. What I would argue is unique about these Hebrew texts is how earthy and dirty and sexy and bloody and sweaty they are. You know what I mean? Yeah. Right. Sometimes when people talk about spirituality, I always picture what they're talking about being about six inches off the ground. You know what I mean? Like it's just yeah. sort of hovering above real life. And what absolutely sucked me in was when I began to understand that the the Jesus tradition comes out of a Jewish tradition. And for the Jewish tradition, the divine soul, spirit, source, whatever language you want to use, is found in the muck and in the loss and in the darkness and in the dirt. Um, It's a very visceral material spirituality, which just connected with me. Because so often, especially now with spirituality sort of having like almost like a cool buzz to it, so often now it's about either escaping this world or withdrawing from right, the real right. struggles of toxic relationships and overbearing employers and traffic <laughs> and um, Syria and you know what I mean? Right. But mm-hmm. this, these books, they're, they start with the actual heartbreak and loss and grief and euphoria and ecstasy of the human experience and say, you start there and you go all the way in there and you just might find something transcendent and divine. And that's, I think, the giant thing that most people don't know about this book. Yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, I mean, I, yes, I would agree with all that. And I, Hal, do you want to go next? Because I feel like it's like the natural next question. Well, I think, like, for me, there's a couple things that come from this. And I think it's, for me, it's interesting because, like, can you read something like the Ramayana, right? Like, which is uh, just a Hindu text that talks, I mean, it is very, 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 very violent. And, like, the Bhagavad Gita happens 
on a battlefield, right? And Mm -hmm. so there is, like, when you read all of that stuff, like, I never actually take that literally, right? Like, I never take that stuff literally. I've always looked at those texts to be able to derive the meaning at that. I don't, I don't believe that Krishna showed up in a chariot on, on the battlefield and that really happened, right? I believe that a lot yeah. of this is just, it's symbolic. But then when you look at the Bible, it's not taken in that way. So I just want to kind of put a pin in that point. Like it's for whatever reason, like give it to me. I'll read all of these other stories and realize that they're not literal, I'll realize that that you have to unpack them and you have to strip them down and really understand and, and that there is like hidden meaning upon hidden meaning. But when you look at the Bible, you don't look at it that way. And you said, I think you said this in the book. I think you said um, you don't read it literally. You read it literally. Did you say that or am I making that up? I'm, I said that. Yes. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> or am I just smart? Um <laughs> Right. And what you, what I assume and what I, what I read from that is like we have for so long read this literally. Like this is the spoken word, live by the spoken word. And the thing that was uh, the aha for me was that it's not, it's a progressive text through the lens of a period of time and that it's to be unpacked just like what we do with every other spiritual text and all these other traditions. It's not, but it's not, but it's not for whatever reason, when we think of it, it's the, it's preached that it's proselytized. It's the word, like it's the word, (laughs) right? But then what's interesting is the writers that I would argue that sometimes you have history mixed with some poetry and sometimes you have poetry mixed with some history, but you're right. Mm -hmm. Just a flat, everything happened exactly like they said it happened. And I would argue that lots of places in the Bible, the writer is winking to you. Like they may be drawing (laughs) on an actual thing that happened. But like when there's this violent story about Samson killing a thousand Philistines with a jawbone, really (laughs) a thousand bodies exactly. Like they're like, wow, round number. What a coincidence. Probably the writer is saying a thousand because it's a fantastic number. You know it's what I mean? ridiculous. Yeah. It could have right. been 1,200. It could have been 800. It could have been he killed a bunch of them. No one counted. But let's just mark it at a thousand because it's a great story. Um, so maybe there was a great battle. Maybe he did actually kill a bunch of people. Uh, what's history? What's myth? What's embellishment? Even like the story of Jonah, the whole city repents <laughs> sackcloth and ashes, including the animals. That's funny. Right. That's, yeah. <laughs> Rob, that's one of those that I have the LOL by right here. Right, right, right. I was like, so, I mean, LOL, Jonah is depressed about a gourd. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's no way the writer, the writer has to know that we're like, I'm not aware of animals being like, I'm so sorry for my racism. Or what do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's, It's almost like the writer is hinting. Or even you think about the first two chapters of the Bible are two different poems explaining the creation of the world the, and they don't really line up with each other. Right. So even the editor is going, I'm going for something bigger here because if you do take this literally by chapter two, you'll have a bunch of things that you'll be having to reconcile. Right. So yeah. right away, they're even playing their hand. Um, now, the really interesting thing when someone says, well, it's all myth, it was all made up, I would say the uniqueness of the Bible is it insists that real people in real places and at real times 
can actually be rescued and redeemed and can actually have profound experiences. You know what I mean? The, the book, you don't have to take it all exact literally because the writers are doing some other things, but it is also interesting because it insists that actual things happen in space and time. Which, do you mean that? You, do you mean because it was yeah. written by people in actual space and time? Well, I think these people are insisting that that actual human beings can be rescued and liberated, and can see things in a new way, and can help each other. There, for them, this isn't all imaginary. For them, this was yeah. trying to help real people dealing with really difficult historical circumstances actually get through it you know what i mean as well, a yeah. but not compare okay so but you started off by saying when people write it off as all myth and then you leaped to this what i'm 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 missing where you're taking me oh sometimes people will say none of it happened mm. it's all just people making up stories mm-hmm. and i would argue i think these writers begin with this is actually possible we're not just imagining yeah. that you can get hope in difficult times. We're in difficult times telling you how we found actual hope with an oppressive government or right. a tyrannical leader. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that yeah. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. And like the great uh, Abraham Joshua Heschel was this legendary rabbi who marched with Martin Luther King. And he uh, would talk about how the Exodus story was hope for every the Exodus story and the liberation of slaves from Egypt was hope for every slave everywhere. And it wasn't imaginary, mythical, fictional hope. It was actual hope of liberation. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's where, um, and like if, you're, if, if your life has become unmanageable and you've hit the wall, um, a story that somebody made up about getting healing and sobriety um, it would be nice if somebody could tell me a story about how they actually got healing and sobriety. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> right. right. Totally. Um, well, you have to have room for both. Like that's exactly. what I found exactly. in this entire thing. It was like, you cannot actually feel or get the true learnings or meaning or the, that sort of essence of any of this, unless you can accept the paradox that both things. Thank you. But most people can't. I mean, that's I think that's like the thing. Most people can't accept the paradox of things like they just aren't. Well, you right. Right. But you totally. But but for me, getting sober was that time that was like, no, actually, it was like when my marriage crumbled. It was like, nope, two things are true at the same time. That's Right. Right. But that's a really hard leap to get to like the the hardest. Yeah, it is. Right. And all, not only that, it's also like that two, like the two truths can exist at the same time. Like it's again, going back just because I've studied way more Eastern philosophy than I actually have um, biblical philosophy. I like hearing, you know, one of my yoga teachers talk about how how this one story can be true, but of this, like this one interpretation or this one story can be true. And at the same time, this entirely other that almost negates its story can be true. And you can hold these two um, Mm -hmm. competing theories that even on some level take like on some level negate one another at the same time. It's just it's um, it's a hard place to get to. By the way, can I ask a question? You said you studied lots of Eastern religion and philosophy, right, it's, it's, which wasn't biblical. 
what would you where would you locate <laughs> biblical stuff? East, I mean Eastern. But when I think about it, but when I do think about it, even though no, I mean I get it, yeah, yeah. But I do I do discount it. Like I do I I have discounted the Bible for a really long, oh, God, long right. time. Yeah, like, I think a lot of people have. Yeah. I yeah. like when I think of the Bible, what what you guys were saying up front, I think of it as um you were you were saying people think of bloody and blah blah blah. I think of fundamentalism. I think of like right. you know Tammy Baker. Um, no, Tammy Faye. Yeah, and Jim Baker. That's what I think of. I think of like the people that have. Um, what's that? When, imagine if you were one of the biblical writers trying to give people <laughs> hope to endure really really oppressive political circumstances, and a th- two thousand years later people associated you with the people you just mentioned. But You'd be my, like, really? But it just goes to show. I mean, it just goes to show where it's. <laughs> yeah, where no, it's like in most people's, you know, I mean, I and for me, it's always been I've always been searching for the truth. And the Bible felt like um, it, it felt like a, a plastic, you know, a plastic version of the truth to me. And, you it know, just, you, you just said something really interesting about the two things. So it's almost like there are two modern responses to the Bible, which I think you both just said, which helps me think about it in a whole new way. What I'm trying to do with the book is the one response is it's all made up and none of it happened. <laughs> the other response is it happened exactly, exactly. Word for word, like you said it happened. And they're both not interesting perspectives. They're both a form of fundamentalism. Right. One is denial. One is unthinking acceptance. And what I'm trying to do in the Bible is simply move beyond those categories to a whole other category, which is why did people tell these stories? Why did they endure? And what do they have to say to us? Which is just a completely different discussion. Yeah, I mean, the the that was sort of saying with my lead-in was I the only reason I would pick this book up is because I listened to your to you, to you, you know, because yeah. I because of you. I listen to your podcast. I mean, it's like the only one that I actually listen to every like religiously Me too. Uh-huh. um <laughs> did you get that <laughs> i did um and 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 i wouldn't you know and and that's just because i've liked what you have, have had to say you know it's very different than what i've heard and and since be, since listening to you i have started listening to others um to pro- mostly people that you have on the show i'm like okay i like them i can listen to that but that. the only reason i picked up this book is because of that you know so it's I am so excited and grateful that you would be willing to put <laughs> to put a, a book out there called "What Is the Bible?" Yeah. that has like neon um, colored text on it, and it's just like, "Hey, I'm going to change the way you think about this." Anyway, yes, that's well, fantastic. I, the other interesting <laughs> part, though, is is I like. Well, I'm not. I think I like. I'm trying to sit here and actually pick apart because I also love Jesus, and I I've spent a lot of time trying to figure out Jesus, like for the last couple of years. And also, I I feel really attracted to go to like I call, feel called to go to Rome, um, and I spend a lot of time in churches there. And I also am drawn I'm drawn to Christianity in a, in a in a certain way. I'm drawn to Mary, um, but it is there is something that's very different about just the the Bible um, itself, you know, not even just the Christian tradition, just for whatever reason, the Bible. It feels like, um, I don't know. I think something that I'd be interested to hear you talk about is you teach spiral dynamics, right? And when you say that there are people that are just uh, believe it literally, like, you know, like parting of the Red Sea, 
Like that happened. Um, that believe all of it happened, that all of it's literal. And there's people that, um, that discount it, uh, entirely. Right. So there is on some level, uh, and and you also talk about this that it's progressive that it starts in one it starts at one place and it shows the progression of consciousness right of waking up mm-hmm. um and so which is spiral dynamics right and so i'm right. curious if that because you didn't mention that at like even once in the book you didn't mention that and i was looking for that just because there is you know there is a level of consciousness that believes in mythical that believes like wholeheartedly in in all of those things actually happened in santa claus and the tooth fairy and then there is a a waking up where you start to where, where and the next is organized religion right and then on and on and on can you just talk about how that came into play with you writing this Um, One of the things I thought would be interesting is if I could tell, if I could do it in such a way that you would pick that up in your reading of this. I think I talk about evolving consciousness a couple places, but but um, first off, to do spiral dynamics, I think you have to do it right. And you would have to make, um, I think I may do something where I do spiral dynamics just on its own, but to try to cram that into the book, you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, by the way, right. other thing. Um, and I also thought sometimes, like sometimes my thesis or the truth I'm trying to get across, if I were to say it, I would ruin it. The, sometimes I'll organize a whole show, podcast, episode, tour around a truth or an idea or something I'm trying to get across. And I'm going to give you all these stories, facts, science, poems, quotes, insights, in the hope that if I stitch all these together, they will get you to that. But if I said it, I would ruin it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. Right. You're actually following a great um, philosophy of just fiction writing, which is show, don't tell. (laughs) Yeah. So actually with this book, one of the things I was like, the second I'm like, I think the Bible is exciting. I think you should think the Bible is exciting. I'm already boring myself. <laughs> um, I actually, and the worst thing about the Bible would be to talk to you about the Bible without just reading it, which is why the whole thing about Moses and an erection is sort of how it starts. Was <laughs> yeah, that's a good lead in. This and a friend of mine was like, you know what you're doing in this book is you're reading the Bible in this book. You're actually mm-hmm. showing us how you read it. Um, that's true. Yeah. Because it is like, I think there's a line in the book about beware of sermons proving that the Bible is something or trying to get you excited about the Bible. It's like, if you're trying to prove it, you've already lost the plot. It's like that guy on Instagram who keeps posting pictures of check out my hot girlfriend. And then two days later, look at this babe. And after a while you're like, dude, what's wrong? (laughs) Yeah. What's actually going on? Thou dost convinceth too much. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, are you trying to argue your case to, to us or yourself or what's happening here? Um, and that's part of the thing is, especially in relation to spiral dynamics is I was like, I should structure this thing. The information architecture of the book should be such that you begin to pick up an unfolding something in the edges of what I'm saying it's almost like I'm going to give you the black spaces and then in the white spaces in between those black spaces, you'll pick up, 
oh, wait, there's something unfolding here. It's like something's getting bigger, wider, farther along. Um, and that's, and that's, um, and obviously you've also touched on what's going to be my next book. So <laughs> sometimes well, like, oh, it's, okay. also, it's allowing when I'm thinking about it what, it, what it did is it allowed a grace that I don't usually allow yes. for the Bible, like, which is that it's written like those, those who were alive 2000, 3000 years ago had a much different level of consciousness. They did, they had not gone through the scientific revolution or the industrial revolution. They did not know what we know now. Right. They had not, they did not have as much neocortex as we do. Um, and so, and so it's a much different, it's a much different lens and it does allow for a much different, it does allow yeah, for a much, exactly. for, for grace of, 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 of interpretation. Absolutely. Which works both ways because a lot of those people, you could have abandoned them in the woods and they would have known how to survive. Yeah. And you and I would be completely yep. lost. So <laughs> there's all this right. interesting evolutionary research on hunter gatherers and how much more dexterous, how much stronger, how better their digestive systems were, how better they were at identifying healthy and unhealthy, poisonous, right. beneficial plant life. So when we're like mm. those those poor people back there, oh the ones that could read the stars. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Right. The ones could tell you by sniffing the wind how far away the elephants were. Oh yeah, those stupid people, them, because they're like lost in an airport for two minutes if they don't have your favorite coffee. Oh yeah, those people who were way back there. So there's one degree to you're completely right. They literally thought the world was flat. The flip side is every person now who's like I mean those people way back then that had slavery and oppressed women, as if you're living in a world that's so advanced that you right. elected a reality TV star for president. Right. People are actually using nerve gas and yep. lots of people spend a majority of the day hunched over a rectangle that glows. Yeah. You know I was going to say, please say that. Please say something like that. So um, one of the great lies of the modern age is those primitive people back there and then us super advanced you you have to once again like you said hold two things which is yes we've come a long way and yes we have a long way to go in our treatment of the other in our treatment of women and our treatment of the environment we could let that list is long um and the really convicting thing to me is not all that announces that it's progress is actually progress. Right. That's right. And that's the thing that the modern world, man, people cling to that. I mean, you, totally. if you challenge that, out come the pitchforks. Um, not all yeah. forward movement. You even see this with Facebook. And they've done these new interesting studies with Google that, like, if you type in women are in Google, um, who was just writing about this? Oh, there's a fantastic philosopher named Ken Wilber was just writing about uh, I've been yeah. women are or Hitler was into Google. You get like positive things about Hitler and horrific things about women. And what they're saying really? now is that Google wanted to make information accessible to everybody, which is fantastic. But actually, a lot of the top search results for certain searches are horrific. Right. Like, um, and you have this weird, all this amazing new stuff has also brought with it some horrific unintended, unintended consequences. And that, um, that's for years to, for those who have ears to hear, that can be hard to swallow when you're sort of high on the fumes of 
it's new and it's progress, so it must be good. Right. Um, mm-hmm. It might, be. and that's what's interesting about the Bible is it raises all these questions about man. I can't believe they used to treat people that way. Yeah, I can't either until I look around. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, were you gonna say something? Huh? No, you go. I yeah, have a, I mean, lot, a lot of questions, but I don't. They they would be left field, so I want you to go with this line of thought. That hasn't yeah, with me. To be honest, with you. I know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I so we have. I have some specific things that I just want you to comment on in like specific pieces in the book where I was took note of or. Um. So the story of all the stories that I that I loved the the story of abraham um it's not actually called the story of abraham you call it the sun one? Oh, the the smoking fire pots oh yeah <laughs> well like that story i just okay so it's basically where you introduce this idea of a covenant yeah to cut a deal a deal to cut a deal and which was fascinating, just that the language actually came from the Bible, and that it was this turning point where people, they, it, it was introduced that there's this human, that we could have a different relationship with a living God, like where it was sort of this, I, I wrote, this is where I wrote, what? Because you wouldn't know this unless you'd read what was before the story in the Bible, Right. Mm-hmm. And which is which is the case in a lot of the things you say, which I'll get to my second question after that. So you're saying like up until then, people had this one idea about God, mostly this Old Testament idea about God. And then there's this crazy story about a smoking fire pot um, <laughs> <laughs> that just passes between the halves of the animals, um, which is it's hilarious so to weird. even think. It's so weird, but it's awesome. And then it was like, okay, so this is a story about he's being invited to trust God and to believe that God is actually good and has his best interests in mind. And that that is this, I mean, that's something that most people have a really hard time right. grasping, believing. That's a 2017 right? question. Yes, it so is. What's interesting, which, you're tapping, which is why this library of books is so weird, is you're going... What's this old, archaic, barbaric, primitive, obscure, Semitic? Oh, wait. That's still the thing people are talking about. Yeah, like well, I think about it daily. I mean. Even if you like, think about I'm sure you have listeners who, would, who the idea of God is troublesome, which I totally get, or who mm-hmm. would call themselves atheists or agnostic or whatever. Let's just begin with, is the universe a safe place? Or what's other language we use? Is life on your side? Or... Um, are the forces with you or against you? Um, or people might use fate or destiny or chance or, um, you know, what number have you drawn in the big game? Or however people would talk about it. Um, and one of the things about that story is if you move beyond the language to the human struggle, we just have different language and terminology for pretty much the same kinds of questions. Right. Um, and oh, I'm sure you all, the people you have talked and interacted with when they're struggling or when they hit the wall, um, and the questions are always about despair. Is right. it always yeah. like this? Or 
could I maybe be set free? Because on my own, I've made a mess of things. So I'm going to need some outside strength, willpower, help, support, fuel, motivation. Um, Something. The, these are the questions everybody's asking every day. And thousands of years ago, guess what? In the wilderness, using different forms and methods and cutting deals and chopping animals in half, it's pretty much the same questions. Um, yeah. 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 It, that it just, yeah, I just, I, I, um, I hope everyone reads it because for that reason, because I'm going through and there's literally nothing that like, okay. Th- my second question is now turn over to Hall was, could you, and I kept asking myself, is there any way I could read the Bible on my own and even have a s- possibility of understanding this story or any of them? <laughs> that's a great question. The, the, that's a great question. Um, the first thing at the end of the book, I just added a list of here are uh, here are people you could read that would give you all sorts of fascinating background and context and insights so that you could begin to um, stumble into some of this yourself. Secondly, I think about it like a muscle and yeah. <laughs> it's a muscle that people just haven't used. Um, but what's interesting when people read Shakespeare in high school is you don't, the first time you read Shakespeare, it takes forever. And you'd say to the English teacher, I had all these doths and thighs. And then <laughs> if you stick at it, you gradually, it's like you gradually find your groove with it. Right. Um, and it's fascinating to me how with spiritual practice, everybody knows in yoga you're probably going to be a little awkward at the beginning. I've taken friends to their first yoga class and it's always a little bit awkward and I love it. Um, <laughs> we just fundamentally know that the things that matter are going to take time. Yeah. Uh, and then you say, hey, by the way, there's this compendium of wisdom about how to have a soul and how to have a life and how to forgive your enemies. And it's thousands of years old. And we're like, how come I can't just pick it up and on the first read totally get it all if you could it probably wouldn't have survived for a couple thousands of years because people would read it and they'd be like done right. <laughs> you'd be done um so hey. yeah you can't and, and the reason why i i know that is because of the number of people for 25 years who after my sermons would say they'd come up to me angry sometimes how come <laughs> no one ever told me about the fire pots thing that would have helped <laughs> um so i just sort of set out to track down who's who's giving the background, who's helping um, who's helping us read this book, and like in the back of the book, there's a list to get people started. But those books I recommend, some of them I recommend, and I just simply say read this book, but then notice the li- the bibliography at the end of this book because that yeah. bibliography will be a thousand more books. And then what happens is you're reading something, and what will happen to you is you'll be reading something and you'll go, okay. There's got to be something go more going on here. Um, right. And actually what I was trying to do with the book is simply create within people an itch. Like if you don't get it, and it's weird. There's probably some other thing that's being referenced. And at least now you can Google what's the deal with the dude who shows up at the wedding in Jesus parable wearing the wrong thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, totally. 
And just a little bit of reading or searching, you'll probably stumble across, oh, in the first century when you went to a wedding, it was customary for them to provide the clothing. You wear your own clothing. That was an insult to the person who provided the clothing who was putting on the wedding. Oh, got it. Okay. So it's actually right. a culturally insensitive, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. No, it is. And it's, um, it's awesome because I, um, I mean, I. I, it's an itch. You definitely created the itch. That's for sure. And I, it makes me so hopeful because I can see why this is worth it to look at, you know, um, which is a big thing to say. Yeah, that is, that is Mm -hmm. on that. Yeah. Um, all right. I have more, but keep, but go on Hall. I want to talk about them. Do a couple more. We're on a roll. I want to talk about women. <clears throat> talk about women. Couple questions. Oh, you want to talk about women? Yes. Couple questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. So I had, I have been very painstakingly reading through a book called "When God Was a Woman," that talks oh, about matrilineal, right? That talks about matrilineal uh, descent uh, religions yep. that came before yeah. uh, what we know in the Bible. Yes. Okay. So I'm reading this and a couple of things because I'm, I would say, overly aware of, 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 uh, we had a a guest on, her name is Megan Watterson, and she was very young when she was in church and she got very mad at a young age because she realized that there were no stories told by women, um, that, that the talking that there were no women's stories in the Bible. And so she went out and set on a path to discover women's stories. She has uh, two degrees in theology and she's written books and she's, she's brilliant. And um, so, but when I'm reading this, what I was reading when I was reading your book was, was the observation that there was a couple of things that there was, but mostly that there was no, there was no woman's voice in this. This is still men. These are still men's stories. And there was this one part through this that said, um, it's on page 152, and it said, the scroll would be opened and someone would read that day's Torah portion, which was mapped out years in advance, along with readings from the prophets. And then there would have been commentary and discussion about what it means and how you live it. And then it says, and everybody joined in. It was assumed you had an opinion, and it was assumed that you had questions. Of course you had questions. Questions were a sign of life, a sign this mattered to you, a sign you were engaged with the text. But my guess when I'm reading this is that everybody is not everybody, that it's that most likely women were not part of this discussion. Well, um, so I yeah. just, yeah. So I want to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I totally, first off, uh, you're right. You, you're right. It's, it's, a, it's a lot of male voices. Um, so yeah, you're totally right. Secondly, what's interesting in, in first century Jewish culture is they had this phrase, every table is an altar, mm-hmm. that, the, that the holiest center of life was the home and the center of the home. And there's all this interesting um, history that the woman was considered the worship leader of the home. Um, so there's some interesting subversive elements even in that. Um, and then, and then you, some people, scholars call them breakouts, but like in the book of Judges, there's a military leader named Deborah, and there's this powerful <laughs> general. <laughs> Can we just stop there? Really? <laughs> yeah. Sorry. And uh, 
that. And this that's powerful general will not go into battle unless Deborah goes with him. And Deborah's name in Hebrew means honeybee. And this general's name is Barak, which means lightning. So B-R-K was the root, which like looks like lightning. So Barak sounds like lightning. So, uh, and then the general, the commander they're going to battle against, his name is Sisera, which means snake. So lightning will not go into battle against the serpent unless honeybee goes with him, which the poetry alone is fascinating. But um, <laughs> yeah, I would, and I would argue there are a number of stories that turn on the actions of women. And then in Matthew's, the gospel's genealogy, he lists these four different women, which was somewhat unheard of. And then like there's that chapter about the women paying Jesus bills. So I would argue that this book is both totally reflective of the patriarchy and male dominance of its world. So I totally agree with you. I would also point out that there are lots and lots of places where the action and the insight is initiated by women, which is countercultural, including like you get to the Gospels and the resurrection accounts. It's the women who are witnesses to it. Right. And the all four gospel writers want you to know um, women persevered, women were the strong ones, women got it first. And so in its own weird way, a lot of these books show um, they're like ahead of their time, even though they reflect their time. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but I, I, I watch my own, my wife, who has a very strong voice and growing up with my mom and my sister. I've had strong, independent, smart women around me my whole life, and watching their pain about how much of traditional spirituality was run by men. Um, I mean, my mom got a master's from UCLA when she was 21, and one time she and I and my dad were on a retreat, and they asked my mom to share some thoughts. And there was a discussion about a group of men about what <laughs> that was okay. Right. Uh, oh my gosh. Right. You want to get my mom cranked up? Um, <laughs> some guy named Carl who works at an insurance agency deciding whether or not he thinks it's appropriate for her to bring some thunder. That's ridiculous. But it's, so, I um, mean, I guess so. My question yeah. with this is, is why, like, this is the hard question, right? Which is, why do I give a fuck? Sorry. I'm sorry about no. that effort. Yeah. Why do I give a fuck about a book that's written by men for men? Like, why do I look to that? And I know yeah. the answer within my own heart because, believe me, I have, I, I, I have a collection of books by men for men, right? It's not just <laughs> in Christianity. Uh-huh. I've got, you know, it's most of my library. Um, I get it. And I know that the treasures are to be found everywhere, but also as a woman, why am I, why do I give a shit about knowing more about a book that's written by men for women that's been used to keep women subjugated for year for, for millennia? Why do I care about this book? Right. Why not burn this book? Okay. Sorry. Love it. (laughs) Love your question. And first off, you should ask your question with all of the language and emotion that you have towards it. Well, Don't censor that question. Well, what we're mean? talking about the Bible. She usually, she usually doesn't care. I, think. I know. I'm just thinking. Oh. I don't want. I don't know if you're going to share this. I don't. I don't know. I don't think you drop f bombs on the Robcast last time well, I checked. I just, I'm kind of. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm offended that you're censoring. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> no, I know, I know. I just want to make sure, you know. No, no. Children um, and stuff like that. Okay, first off, great question. Secondly, I I'm I might question the idea that it's by men for men when so many of the stories are about the response of women and how many times the writers specifically say, and then there was this businesswoman in Philippi who made a lot of money and she was sort of the leader of the whole movement. And like, there's lots of places where they seem to intentionally be pointing out, Hey, there's uh, women were essentially drove this story and basically women were the ones who stuck around. Um, but I would say the the interesting thing about your question is if I limit myself to only the history that fits within certain acceptable parameters, I will have not much to work with. Yeah. Um, no, and I, that's the answer that I, that's my and, answer that like to my own question. Answer. I mean, not everybody's at your answer and I get it. I get um, because there's so many great things written by women for women and for everybody. Why bother with something like this? Um, that's, right. that's a great question. And I would go back to, uh, because it shows you what progress looks like <laughs> and progress generally starts back and then things gradually creep forward. Right. It's generally how it seems to go. A couple steps forward, step back, a couple steps forward, step back. Um, yeah. And that's kind of how progress works. Yeah. And it's long and slow and frustrating. Um, and it's I, fr- I have no idea what you're talking about. Like, what's happening in, <laughs> in 2017? <laughs> There's no yeah. sex trade. I mean, come on. Right. right or, right. yeah, like, we didn't just <laughs> selling humans <laughs> still. There's <laughs> no slavery. Um, yeah. No, it was, it was a question that was really on my mind as I was reading it. And just because the books yes. that I've been reading of late and, and also the questions that I started to ask, um, cause it didn't, that would have never, that wouldn't have been a question I would have asked, uh, you know, five years ago. And, and I think um, it's important, um, for, especially for your female listeners, there is a need for the sacred feminine. And so much of spirituality has, like you said, been written by men for men. And almost to blot out the sacred, almost as as an affront to the divine feminine. And that Mother Mary, uh, you name Gaia, Mother Goddess, all of the various expressions of the sacred feminine make total sense to me. And I would actually go back to the very beginning of Genesis. the Genesis one poem that begins the Bible, the writer wants you to know when uh, God creates humans in God's image, male and female, they're created. The writer wants you to know that without the sacred feminine, you do not have the full image of the feminine, of the divine. Um, That without the female voice, you don't have the full reflection of the divine. That's the first chapter so that's a little bit when people are like, that's only for a man by a man. I go, well, what's interesting is one of these things, these, if they're men, what they're saying right away is you need the feminine or you're missing half of the divine. Right. And right. so I, um, I sometimes meet women who, who are missing something or 
they're maybe from a particularly rigid background and they find tremendous resonance in some image outside of their background. And they're like, is this okay? This feels kind of weird. I'm like, no, it's totally normal that a female image or representation of the divine feminine would resonate with you. That's, that's actually not a mystery to me. That makes perfect sense. And, um, we need to, uh, I have tried like, like obviously in all of my work, you notice I never refer to God as a his. I just refer to God as a God. Um, And uh, that if you're going to call God as a him, then you have to call, refer to God as a her. And there are several images in the Bible that refer to our feminine images for the divine. And even the Hebrew word for spirit is a feminine word. So even in the text itself, there are all these the prophet Isaiah talks about, could God forget you? Like, could a mother forget the child she bore? Um, so even way back then, you had way ahead of their time, these female images for the divine, which we obviously desperately need or we're missing out on something. Right. Who do you, I'm looking to looking through your podcast because you've had a few women on that talk specifically about this, like their life's work has been to sort of pull the female stories through um can you just and i know people can look at your book but i would love for them to just hear it oh is it share rabbi sharon browse oh my word yeah i just yeah she's amazing she was amazing um and like can you just rattle off a couple other maybe women who you feel like people could listen to that are that are rob um that a Rob approves. <laughs> oh my goodness. Rob recommended. Rob Just recommended. Kidding. Oh, there are so many. Um, there's a woman named Lissa Mandel. She's a comedian who has a show called The Bitch Seat, where she reads from yeah. her high diary. Um, <laughs> yeah. She's a very intelligent, aware, interesting voice. Um, I think about Susan David from Harvard Medical School, who's mm-hmm. essentially taking data from the world of psychology um, and showing you about meditation, about centering, about how to, her book is called Emotional Agility, how not essentially to let your emotions rule you. But what uh, about the theology? I think what I'm curious about is theologians. Oh, theology, yeah, 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 me too. Not, not me just. Oh um, uh, yeah, there's, a, there's a, a Jewish theologian who has a book called The Five Books of Miriam, which is a female, a feminist, Jewish commentary on the first five books of the Bible, um, which is awesome. She has Lilith as one of the characters. Um, she has Eve giving running commentary on the Bible. <laughs> but, but it's like, really? yes. Um, Anita Diamante has a book called The Red Tent. Yes. Yeah. Changed my life. Fantastic. It's so good. Yeah. Um, Diana Butler Bass is a scholar who's done. She has a book called Grounded that I think your audience would absolutely love about a vertical understanding of the divine versus a horizontal understanding of the divine. Um, and I don't even know what that means, but I, I, but I like it. For many people, their concept of the divine is there's somebody up Above. there. And so you pray up to them and hopefully they come down and give you things and intervene from time to time. <laughs> and Wait, that's not how it happens? She has this interesting <laughs> argument that the vertical conception of the divine died in the Holocaust because God didn't show up and stop. And that uh, what people are now 
searching for are horizontal images. So, yeah. um, the, like uh, theologian Paul Tillich talked about the ground of our being. Um, so what you have, a, a field of energy, a force, a source. These are all yep. images of the divine that uh, don't provoke the same old, there's somebody up there who may or may not show up from time to time. Yeah. Um, but And she's interesting because she's a scholar, so she's very well-versed in historical trends. Um, but she also has this giant heart and is on her own sort of path. And I think she weaves those together wonderfully. So there's a couple right Love there, it. I think, um, could get people way down the road. Yeah, and I, I, I really think I would love to hear a conversation between you and Meg Watterson. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her work, but she's, she's I am fan. not. She mm-hmm. is she's good stuff. Probably I between the two it. of you is who I who I get all of my um, all of my uh, <laughs> info. God Theological juice. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you yeah. get your downloads from God. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> Awesome. Let's do another. I have to pick my daughter up from school. Yeah, here in a bit. totally. So, so more, shall we? Yeah, Laura, yes, why don't please. you why don't you um, wrap it up? Yeah, no, I I think that's it. I mean, I know you got to run. I'm I have to. Go well, you had a really good question to end it on. Oh, just one more. This should be this should be quick, Rob. I think. Um, what's the? Is there a part of the book that you're actually scared to put out there? Yeah. Scared? Besides no. the whole book, anything? No. Are you are yeah, you scared every, about the book? Everything that could go wrong already has. Really? <laughs> okay. Yeah. No. Let's just let it out there and see what happens. You know what I mean? I am so I excited it. for it. I think it was just, I mean, I couldn't put it down. Just so like, and, and that's, I mean, I always think that's like the highest compliment. Like when you can't put something down, I couldn't put it down. I consumed it. I loved it. I loved the voice. I learned so much from reading it. Um, it changed my perspective entirely. And it's just, it's a, it's a great book. I mean, it's just a damn good book. So well done. <laughs> oh, yes. it means the world to me coming from you too. Yeah, thank you. yeah, oh, thank we're you. excited and we're excited to bring it to everybody. And you're definitely like our people. Uh, a lot of our you. people are now Rob Rob fans. Yeah. Um, oh, and I'm gonna come. I'm coming to your your atomic self because I was like, is oh. there an event called that? I'm going. Let's do this. <laughs> Excellent. So I'll see you. Mm-hmm. I will see you there. Thank you, Rob. Awesome. Thank you. So Thanks, much. Rob. Okay. Talk again soon. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye bye. Infinitely so